0: Alright, and we are here again and we are back again. As always, I'm Matt. I'm Drew. And this is the Back Again Podcast. This is the only movie review show where we take a sequel from the past and find out if in fact it is worth going back again. We are on the second half of our action movie sequel list and we have a special guest today, uh, a real real expert in in this franchise of what we're going to be doing. Uh, So before we reveal it, uh, let's introduce our special guest, which is Louis Diaz. Louis, say hi.
1: What's up, guys? How's everybody doing?
0: Oh, doing good. How about you?
1: Doing good, pretty excited about
0: this. We are doing uh, the follow-up to the 1995 Bad Boys, and we are doing Bad Boys 2. And Lou, you're a big Bad Boys fan.
1: You could call me a bad boy.
0: Bad Boys Two comes out in two thousand three. It's once again directed by Michael Bay. It's got a budget of one hundred and thirty million. It's got a box office return of two hundred and seventy three point three million. It's starring Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, Joe Pantoliano, Gabrielle Union, Teresa Randall, and Jordi Moya. Bad Boys 2 picks up eight years after the events of the first Bad Boys, where Marcus and Mike find themselves facing off against a Cuban drug smuggler with Miami police in his pocket. The heat gets turned up when the DEA get involved, and a family member gets taken, forcing the boys to ride, one, in quotes, last time, together. So I think a good place to kind of start with talking about this movie uh, is kind of getting the good stuff out of the way early. Because I think collectively we can kind of, we would all agree on what the positives are of the movie. So we can kind of knock that out quick, right? Performances, obviously really good with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. The action, uh, a portion of the action is good and entertaining and stuff. And also it's just like, you know, it's just a high energy franchise. Like you don't really get bored too often within these movies uh, for the most part, I would say.
1: Yeah, agreed. Even the, even like the down parts outside of the action, it's just like comedy after comedy especially when it's just martin and will that it's just they're just drawing back and forth
0: yeah it's just like little bits that they're doing in between it's like here's an action set piece and then we'll have them driving in a car or sitting like outside with the family and they'll do like a 15 minute bit (laughs) or like a a six minute (laughs) bit or something Well, at
2: the beginning of act two the bits are longer because we got to establish more yeah but yeah
0: Uh, i could appreciate that a lot
2: uh especially considering like i think we saw something kind of similar with too fast too furious where it was we're trying to keep the attention between the set pieces and yeah. Too Fast, Too Furious did it by shooting these like dialogue scenes, like action scenes almost. Yeah. And just like the camera mm-hmm. angles. And this, they at least paid attention to the writing. They have more focus on the actual script than I feel like whoever wrote Too Fast, Too Furious did. Yeah. And uh, Michael Bay can play with that and I guess more so uh, Martin and Will can too.
0: Well, keep in mind, it's not like these scripts are like game-changing or amazing like these are pretty by the book action movies especially when you consider all the other types of action movies that we've done on the list this is almost like if a computer had to make an action movie and they kind of ran it through but what elevates it is probably just will smith and martin lawrence to to a certain degree because you can write bad lines of dialogue but will smith and martin lawrence can kind of sell those bad lines better than like maybe paul walker and tyrese could in too fast too furious
1: they also have insane chemistry martin and will
0: yeah, so so overall, like you know, you know, not to kind of spoil the way how we're going to vote it, but you know, we can kind of get the positive stuff out of the way first, and now we can kind of get into the some some nitpicky things about it. And let's, <laughs> I, I think a good place to start would be talking about this plot. So the plot of the first movie is pretty simple: a guy steals a bunch of heroin. He's got like four days or five days to sell the heroin to another drug lord or something like that. Ticking clock. Yeah, ticking clock, and the boys have to go get that. Whereas in the second movie the plot is a lot more like not con- i mean convoluted maybe but there's just a lot more plot in this movie so then way when you have like these kind of side gags or these cutaways they're not really subplots that help contribute to the plot they're really just kind of throwaway things that are like character things because in the second one we have the plot with the drug dealers and then we also have a storyline with marcus wanting to retire and he's getting sick of uh, working with mike and all the killing that he does and then on top of that we have another subplot where because we get introduced to gabrielle union who's marcus's sister and she's also got a stake in the plot but then she's also got a subplot with dating mike and having a relationship with mike and them not telling marcus that's more like as a well. runner
2: that's more like a comedy runner that has like three beats and then it's done
0: yeah it's just like filler is yeah. basically what i'm kind of saying so it, it's interesting because when you think about that first movie the bad guy doesn't really like, say a lot. He's like, what was he, like, a German or something like that?
1: Yeah, German or Dutch or something.
0: Yeah, but every time we cut to him, he's only got, like, collectively, like, five lines of dialogue. And they kind of do the same thing in the second one, where every time we cut back to this Cuban bad guy, he's just, like... God, I I kept thinking about all these throwaway scenes where we cut back to him just for him to yell or do some kind of like religious speech or whatever. Like, this is my town. Like, I'm God. Like, (laughs) get this Jesus picture off my wall. And every time we cut back to him, he's just telling us like, there isn't an actual ticking time clock in the second one, but they try to make you feel like there is because they keep cutting back to the bad guy who's just dishing out exposition of what he needs done next.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess the only clock that you could technically say there is, is that they only have a certain amount of time until this big shipment goes and they're trying to catch him by this.
2: Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the ticking clock is still there. It's just in a different place. Well, there's what, multiple. What they, what they do when they're cutting back to the villain is they're just... that's. I feel like that's them trying to raise the stakes by showing how like unstable he is. Mm-hmm. But the villain's not... I don't think he's a good actor. No, he's <laughs> very... <laughs> so, so it doesn't come across that way. It comes across as almost like distracting filler.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's just in the first one they literally has to do with kind of one shipment or one deal or kind of catching one big kind of like exchange right and the second one there's multiple drops that they either mess up or they like the, it opens up with a drop that they get wrong right and then there's a second drop later with gabriel union that goes wrong again and then there's a third drop right and then after all of those three drops then our final like climactic kind drop? of it's not really a drop it's a pickup of gabriel union right so oh, the- yeah
2: okay. <laughs> the very
0: end yeah yeah yeah. so it's like three drops and then a pickup right whereas in the first one's really just about one drop so it does that thing with sequels where it just like it doubles down on everything or it makes kind of more of everything because 2003 baby you know we gotta (laughs) we gotta raise the stakes some way
2: at least they have the decency to wrap a subplot around it with gabriel union's character we get, I feel like it's a mixed bag when it comes to side characters. When it comes to these action movies, especially female side characters, yeah. And she was one dimensional, but still like very one dimensional, but developed. If that makes sense she she's, yeah. she's either when she's not just having to move the plot forward because that's kind of what her character is designed to do then like are her moments to shine yeah. but for the most part she just has to keep driving the plot forward
0: she's only got really two things to talk about it's either mike or the or the dea stuff <sighs> you know what i mean
2: yeah she doesn't have time for her own character it's only the plot or mike yeah
1: <laughs> that was what that one of my slices with The Gabrielle Union character, how she was written is that they kind of made her they made her seem like this was her first week on the job. Like she was very scared in a lot of situations when if you're put into an undercover position with something in this big, you're not like this is not your first couple months at the DEA like you're pretty established
0: yeah and there's kind of like a bullshit throwaway line that Marcus because Marcus is so hard on everybody in this freaking movie but he says something to her like uh oh they only hired you because you look good in a bikini but then they never challenge that so it almost feels like that's true which is kind of fucked up
1: it's yeah they they make her such like a damsel in distress like she doesn't have a real badass
0: moment like where she's well, she takes out those Haitians and stuff in the car in the SUV.
1: Yeah, she shoots them in the when she's in the
0: car. Like that's fine,
1: but she but she looks scared throughout the whole time when she's doing it. It's not like she she doesn't seem in control of that situation at all.
0: By far the best line that she has in that movie is when they're <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> she's on the minefield and they're like everybody throw your guns. She's like okay, I'm just gonna toss I'm gonna toss the gun right now right next to the landmine. <laughs> she like tosses it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that like adds to it that adds to like how bad she is like she would literally give away her tell but like when i was watching it i was like this is almost the writers being like our audience is so dumb watching this movie we're gonna literally spell out what we're doing to them like that's what that feels to me
0: well no we showed the iguana stepping yeah, on exactly. and blowing up and now we'll have her say it it could have been kind of interesting if mike was in love with her but she wasn't down with mike and if it, they had flipped that yeah yeah because the whole like you know the only person that really gets an arc that they kind of toss away at the end is martin lawrence's character right because marcus enters the movie like he wants to retire all this kind of stuff um obviously then the whole mission gets more personal for him and he's able to find like you know he there's a there's good setup and payoff in this movie the same way that, like with lethal weapon one and two how they kind of set up things and they pay him off but they end the movie with marcus just tossing his paper it's like a throwaway line in the post-credit scene right so we finish the movie and then there's this post credit scene where they're in the pool. He's like, hey, man, like keep talking it up and I'll go pull those transfer papers out of the garbage and I'll glue them together. He's like, man, I wish you would and blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, okay, I guess he's just not going to (laughs) retire.
1: I mean, they had to set up for a third one eventually.
0: And let's say this one last kind of positive that I will say about the movie uh, is, you know, we always look for these sequels to have a bigger world or to have at least some kind of continuation with the first one. And the fact that this takes place eight years after the first one, they actually stay true to that. Right. So all of Marcus's kids are older you know they they don't kind of shy away from the fact that it's been eight years where i feel like other sequels you know try to it's only been one year after the fact or it's like the next season after the fact and it's like no they they really kind of stayed true to doing a continuation and making a bigger world and just giving these characters kind of new things to adapt to even if they are like you know cliche kind of filler things too
1: yeah i really like that they uh brought back john sally and in the first one, he was like a prisoner that they had arrested, and they were using him. And then they hired him by the second one, and he's like working in the police station.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say it's nice how the world seems to develop in those eight years. Is are there any like real moments where it shows like those two characters, Marcus and Mike, Mike. yeah, uh, have developed, or is it all is all their development contained to just the two movies with nothing in between? <sighs>
0: Well, like, that's the thing, because their whole shtick is that Marcus is annoyed with Mike. And it's really a lot nicer when they're getting along in the movie. But this movie, there's a lot of him just being mad at Mike.
2: But I guess he's pushed to the edge, because at the beginning of the movie, he's considering retiring. So I guess there is some growth insofar as Mike's been getting on Marcus's nerves the whole time. Yeah, he's
0: been doing a lot of murdering,
1: basically. Oh, that's true, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of just, like, their... physical growth, I guess, like Marcus all of a sudden has this great house by the water, and so they've they've definitely advanced in their careers a lot because they they also are in like a specialized unit. It's not just a narcotics unit anymore. It's TNT now. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that scene. Yeah. Well,
0: He was also... You were asking about that, Drew, because you were like, look at the way that they're dressed. Aren't they like... Like, do they dress like... Th-? Even from like the first one? Like, are they... Well, the
2: first one made sense because you well, said they were detectives.
0: Well, they're both like... They're detectives in both of them and stuff, but as far as like their wardrobe goes, I guess when you're a detective, you can kind of wear whatever you want, but they really doubled down in the second one with like, you know... I mean, even... Martin Lawrence comments on he's like damn like what are you like a model or something like that and then Will Smith's like oh I like to look good like don't hate the player hate the game which was okay to say in 2003 because it was still (laughs) brand new
1: I mean and but it's just funny like how much how much money can they possibly make I know that they give the excuse with Mike that he has a you know an inheritance he's a trust fund baby but Marcus has like one of the nicest houses in Miami and he's a sergeant. He's a sergeant in the police force.
0: And his kids are still giving him crap for having like an above ground pool. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and they live on the water. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a boat there. Like when they do one of the zoom out, when they pan out, there's a boat next to their house. Like that was their boat.
0: Well, it's just like, you know, Martin Lawrence's character, he's just so mad about everything. And I understand you have to kind of give, you know, these characters kind of one note tropes. And like, you know, especially when it's a comedic performance, like to really like stretch it out. But I just feel like they really don't do anything with Will Smith's character as far as like his growth or his arc or anything like that. Uh, At least within the, he probably has a better arc maybe in the first one, kind of. But in this one, he's really just, you know, he's, he's. And Gabriel Union's arc. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess. so. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it's showing that he's not a playboy anymore. Like he's he's ready to settle down with one woman. That's his entire growth, even though that growth happened over the eight years between the movies, obviously, because we just come into it with him dating her. It's not like he laid down some other woman to be with her.
0: <laughs> well, well, how about that whole ap- scene after the opening battle after Marcus gets shot and they're in the helicopter and they're talking about therapy and it's like, yeah, Mike hooked up with his therapist. So is he dating Gabrielle Union at this time when he's banging this therapist?
2: Well, it was like it, that was like eight years that they're covering.
1: Yeah, because they say in the movie, he's like, Captain Howard made me do therapy after I shot all those people. So it's not therapy that happens after that incident. It's therapy that happens before. We just don't know how far before
0: okay because it's for me it's just this thing where they're trying to have their cake and eat it where he's like still like a ladies man but he's changing for gabrielle union but we never really see that change with Gabriel union we just see that now gabrielle union also thinks that he's hot
2: and and he's like he's not playboying anymore because yeah i think the only time they do the womanizing jokes is through flashbacks
0: Yeah. And
1: and part of me when I when I was watching it this time was like, oh, maybe this is a reference to Bad Boys one, like after he shot all those people at the airport, because he literally says that. But then I'm like, but they didn't do anything to like make it look like he's younger Will Smith, like eight years ago. It was like an outfit that he's wearing in this movie, he's wearing in that therapy session.
0: <laughs> and, and and that as a good kind of transition now, we can kind of talk about Michael Bay a little bit and we don't have to go too long into this, but the first Bad Boys is Michael Bay's directing debut. And between the two movies, I actually think that he directs the first one a lot better, right? Because, and maybe this is just an editing thing, right? But the first one at least has wider shots and you can, more establishing shots and you can actually see for the most part what's going on. And this second one, Jesus. it. it. It is just like shaky cam all over the place. And every time somebody's shooting bullets or, you know, driving or whatever, we cut to like, and this is, you know, pure Michael Bay-ism, right? Like getting coverage of like, nine different angles of nine different reactions and then just cutting to each of those to death to the point where when we were doing that whole you know the haitians infiltrate uh the deal with gabriel union and then they're they're taking the cars on the highway and then they're releasing the cars from like you know the bed or whatever and they're flipping on the highway and stuff i I turned to you i was like do you know anything like where is everyone right now can you tell there's
2: no spatial awareness
1: yeah not at all but i mean that's basically what happens in all of michael bay's movies from here on
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's what's interesting about it, right? Because the first one, like, actually, it's still edited, like, really choppy. And it's trying to like keep your attention like every five seconds. But at least it's a little bit more competent. Whereas in the second one is just I mean, we open the movie with that. Whereas in the first one opens up on like the bad Boys song. Right. So they're kind of telling you from the start of this, that this is going to be like a techno edited movie.
2: I I would honestly give him the benefit of the doubt and say that I think it was a Times thing. Oh, for sure. Where you had more, because, you know, the first one was 90s. You had more movies directed just like that in the 90s. And then at the turn of the century, they became all choppy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not only that, just like look at the look of these two movies, right? Like the first one looks like a traditional action movie. But when we're in the 2000s, especially 2003, you know, there is a shine to this movie. It's almost like he took the cameras, grabbed some like KY jelly and then smeared it over the lens of the camera.
1: This movie definitely has more like individual scenes that you'll remember off the top of your head than the first one does.
0: They definitely attempt to have more serious moments in the second one, uh, especially when we get to that, you know, reveal that Gabrielle Union's been taken and we, you know, Marcus goes into the room and we get the famous quote of "We, we ride together, we die together, bad boys for life. But I think that there are better serious conversations in the first one, right? Because it's just paced better. In that one whereas in this one there's so many different like there's almost three set pieces just in regards to tone where we have action stuff we have comedy stuff and then we have serious stuff but there's no connective really like strong connective tissue in the middle so you'll get a super dramatic scene with like marcus and will doing the bad boys for life and they hug and they cry and then right after that we get our badass scene where all the soldiers come in they're like mm-hmm. you, you look like you're about to do something stupid we want in
1: yeah it was funny because they never they don't show any of them enough i mean the the guy with the long beard and and the other guy and the span the two spanish cops like they show them during their raid of the mortuary before like the dea shows up but that the only guy that's part of the dea in that scene is the guy talking saying like you look like i don't know you you look like you're about to do something stupid but the, but then the the rest of those guys are all Miami cops, but they're all looking as if they agree with what he's saying. Like, we don't know you, but you look like you're about to do something stupid.
0: Well, it's like the, those DEA guys actually have stakes for why they want to go save Gabrielle Union because she's part of their crew. Well, the, the they're responsible. The for officer
2: her. stakes is that they're you know they're also officers.
0: I know, but, I mean, even to the point where, you know, the captain then, when they're at another, like, kind of airport hangar, the captain shows up was like, I got some spies for you as yeah. well. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but the best was how he says it. He's like, uh, from my buddies down at the CIA, and don't tell him, or he's like, don't ask them they're spies
0: it's like <laughs> what <laughs> well it's amazing that the captain has even kept his job for this long because he goes against orders twice he goes against it in the first one right when the internal affairs is there and she's like all right you know the, we always have that moment where she's like all right you guys are off the case and then he makes like a secret phone call and he's like we're, we're gonna stay on the case that's how he says it yeah we stay on the case and then in the second one it's not that they're off the case but they're you know in cuba so they have no jurisdiction to go over there. But then he just ends up like getting a bunch of like guys to go help him anyway. You know what I mean? So he's always going against like his orders, but then he's always reminding people that he's the boss, that his ass is on the line. It's like, your ass isn't really on the line. You've been able to do all these missions. And we don't even know how many missions in the eight years gap that he's also gone against <laughs> and like help them do as well.
1: Maybe these are the only two like worthy uh, missions they've been on in eight years. And that's why those are the two movies that have been made. <laughs>
2: I brought you a little care package for my friends over at the CIA. They want to help. And don't ask me. They're spies.
0: I can only imagine that this was a nightmare to edit because not only is there all this additional footage and these scenes, but going back to the connective tissue, there's no like transitional stuff. And the one big scene that I turned to you and I was like, this is so weird is Marcus is there. They they just got Michael Shannon out of prison and they're going to check out one of these boats at night and they're doing kind of like a stakeout. The same thing that they did in the first one with Tay Leone where they're staking out a boat again. But we have the 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 point of the scene is that you know uh, gabrielle union's going to confess to marcus that her and will have been dating for you know they said like they've been on like five dates and we're seeing each other now and stuff right that leads to a huge confrontation between Marcus and Mike where they're getting at each other's throats. And then it's almost like, you know, the AD or somebody on set that day was like, hey, we got to get back to the plot. So Gabrielle Union's like, would you guys stop fighting? Like, we got to get back to the plot.
2: Well, it was like they were on like a mission.
0: Yeah. And then Will Smith just says like, we'll handle this later. And it's like, what is the scene? Like, is there no... Can you not put this argument somewhere else in the movie? Like right in the middle of when they're staking out something?
1: I mean, they talk loud during every like secret mission even when they're in the more in the mortuary like sneaking around with the bodies and they're literally just yelling at each other about like marcus is throwing up and like screaming like this is disgusting and will is like screaming at him to shut up like it's like this place didn't seem that big from the outside or the inside when they're walking through the halls And that's before you even put in the fact that they put these giant black cameras out in the most lit hallway (laughs) and nobody notices them.
0: And then the last thing of like kind of one of my favorite dumb things that are in the sequel is that they just replace the two Latina officers from the first one, right? So we got two guys that are giving shit to Marcus and Mike and, you know, they're they're kind of getting a little like racy about it. But in the second one, since since the sex, the race, everything's dialed up to 100, we just replace the two latina officers with two more latina officers and then there's this whole scene it's it's another one of these quick little transitional scenes where it's like the four of them in a room and he's like oh hey we're gonna go get some food you guys want some chicken or something like that and then marcus and mike say something back to him and then they just kind of i think like the captain comes in or whatever they're like all right let's get back to work and then we just i'm like what's the point of that scene (laughs) why do we even (laughs) have
1: that yeah i mean it's like you said they just dialed that relationship up to 100 in the second one, with two, with two completely different
0: people. It's like it, we can distract the audience from uh, not noticing these are different characters if we just make them louder.
2: It's like they dialed everything else up to 100 and then they dialed the transitions down to like zero.
0: And then the last kind of thing, because we always talk about the budget in the box office on this podcast, this is definitely going to be one of the more successful uh, sequels that we do just as far as box office goes. So the first one that comes out in 1995 has got a budget of 23 million and a box office return of 141.4 million, like I was saying. And then Bad Boys 2 in 2003. It's got a budget of $130 million, and then it's got a box office return of $273.3 million. But just even in regards to, because this is kind of similar to Rambo, uh, First Blood Part 2, where it made more money, but critically it got less, it didn't get received as well, right? And just to go back, you know, in 1995, it gets a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, that first Bad Boys. <laughs> because it's not an amazing movie, but uh, the second one, Bad Boys 2, has a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so it's they never even broke the 50 percent mark in this franchise Well, what but does the third one have doesn't matter um <laughs> <laughs> but they've they've you know they're both successful movies they made a lot of money so this is it's more interesting on this one because people are very big fans of this franchise and including myself and i'm sure you too louis Um, And we acknowledge that they're not the best written movies or that they're even like amazing movies, but there's still something entertaining about them. Yeah,
1: I think and especially why people remember the second one more is because there's like we said before, there's more of those memorable moments like you can go up to somebody and be like, have you seen Bad Boys 2? And they'll be like, yeah. And then you could just be like, who the fuck are you? And like do the whole Reggie scene with them. The best part, I guess, this is a fun fact from Bad Boys Two. They didn't tell that kid, Reggie. They didn't tell him what was going to happen. Like there was nothing written. There was nothing written in the script, and like on set and stuff, Will and Mar and Martin would just ignore him all the time. And then when they got to that scene, he's like genuinely scared at what's going on, and like all his movements are just genuine. Like when Will takes out the gun and like points it right in his face, and he starts like dodging it, and <laughs> just him being terrified you a virgin yes all right keep it that way ain't gonna be no fucking that night
0: baby the red shirt's nice i like that you guys have a good time you ever made
1: love to a man No.
0: you want to so as always on this podcast we ask three questions that lead to a final vote of is it worth going back again and the first question is does it work as a sequel and louis since you're our guest you can start off
1: so i went back and forth on this a lot because uh yes they do bring back like the kids and you know there's some there's some Recurring characters, the same wife. There are a lot of, like, the captain comes back. There's a lot of characters from the first one that are in it, like, the main of the main cast. But there's so many of those, like, side characters that didn't come back at all in the second one. Like, the guy at the front desk for Will's apartment complex just doesn't get any screen time in this. And he was super funny in the first one. He was like part of the comic comedic relief in that. And some other, and like just the the fact that there is zero mention of the first movie or events that happened in the first movie or like even a throwaway line of like what happened with Tia Leone or something. Especially because at the end end of the first one, they like subtly hint that like Tia Leone and Will Smith and Mike are going to like start hooking up at least because she's talking throughout the whole movie about how hot he is. And then in the second one, there's just no mention at all. Like I I'm not gonna bring up the third one, but at least in the third one they mentioned Gabrielle Union, like that there was a breakup. So to me, it to me it's a standalone movie. Like you could have they could have made this movie as the first one and then gone on from this, and I don't think we would have lost much. Uh I wanna say that it does work
2: as a sequel. Uh it's louder than the first one, but I don't think that's necessarily to like its detriment. I, I, I do honestly Just because I remember just ragging so hard on the last few movies about the lack of character development for the protagonists, the fact that there was some here is really gonna affect my judging. And the fact that they do build on Will Smith's character and Martin Lawrence's character, and they establish that they have changed, they establish that they continue to change, the changes aren't dramatic or anything, but they're still learning characters. Uh, That really saves it for me. The action is more. It's not necessarily better. And honestly, yeah, like the addition of the side characters, uh, Gabriel Union, uh, Reggie. Yeah, I mean, it was just, I I think it was just one of the better sequels we've seen in the last few that we've done. And I think part of that goes towards it as a sequel itself. Uh, I understand what you were saying about it being standalone, but I do think that the development does add uh, to the sequel. Whereas I, 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 it would be different if they only worked on their own, but the fact that they can work at, alone or together makes me give it a check.
0: This one is not harder for me to vote on, but it is a little bit more interesting because when we talk about uh, sequels on this list and kind of everything you were kind of saying, Drew, about we want character continuation, we want a bigger world, and we want kind of higher stakes. And the foundation is there to do all three of those. They don't necessarily execute at 100% though, right? Gabrielle Union's character, we're going to put her in the movie a lot, and we're going to make her part of the plot to make her feel like she's doing something, but we don't really know how she feels about her job, how she feels really about Will Smith. The only reason why she likes Will Smith is because he's hot.
2: It's the illusion of development. Yeah,
0: so that, that's that's a great thing right there. This this second mo- movie has the illusion of development, but it's not so uh, kind of empty or hollow to where it's, like, distracting. I just notice it only because we're doing so many sequels on this list. So I do think it works as a sequel because... The foundation is there and you do have that growth. I think it would have helped more. Like I would have given a stronger check if they uh, gave references to the first one like you were talking about, Louis, where you just acknowledge that the first one existed, right? Use that as actual motivation. Like actually say it. And then that's our motivation for why the characters feel that they are. But it, it, it's, it's interesting because I also agree that it's kind of like a throwaway movie too to where you could watch Bad Boys 2 and never see Bad Boys 1 and you can kind of still understand like what's going on <laughs> with this movie. So for those reasons, I give it a check, but I still acknowledge like, you know, what you're saying about it. Um, so that sounds like it's going to get two checks and an X to start off. Um, so the second question is going to be, is it enjoyable slash entertaining? And Louis, since you're our guest, you can start off this one as well.
1: 100% I mean I think we covered this throughout and even I know that I gave it an x for the sequel but even some of the lines that they use again and just like sort of switched them up a little bit but like the end of the movie when he shoots you know he shoots the top tapia in the head and he's just like that's how you shoot from now on that's how you shoot he says the exact same line except that's how you drive from now on you drive like that so it's like those little things added to it for me, even though I gave it an X for kind of be counted as a sequel. But I mean, throughout the movie, it's just it's high action. Yes, sometimes you don't know what the hell is going on, but it's constantly entertaining you. It's doing something. There's never any like low swings where it's there's nothing happening.
0: Yeah, I'll make it quick and I'll say I also think it's enjoyable slash entertaining. Um, it's interesting that you bring up low swings because I would say that there are more attempts for low swings in the second one because there are, when you don't have those transitions in between like big action set piece and then conversation that's dramatic and then comedic thing, it does make you feel a little like, all right, let's let's go. let's go, let's move on. Like, let's get past this. It doesn't feel like we're talking about, it's the illusion that we're talking about something important. But on top of that, you do get a lot of entertainment from watching how stupid those scenes are so it's enjoyable slash entertaining just on like a normal action movie front but then it's also enjoyable slash entertaining because it's like a dumb michael bay movie and there's just all this shit where it's like jesus this is ridiculous like you know so you can probably only get away with that when you have two powerhouses like will smith and martin lawrence that are kind of carrying the narrative like we, we more so trust them than we trust michael bay when we're watching them <laughs> when we're watching these movies so I I really don't think these movies would work if you didn't have Will Smith or Martin Lawrence as your lead. So uh, with all that being said, I also agree. I think it's enjoyable slash entertaining.
2: I think the same. It's not smooth, but that's the thing is, even the boring, even the parts that would be boring are entertaining because of the the kind of, not stupid, but because of the simple way it's approached where it's just like we've got to get the bare bones plot across. We'll have this big dinner scene where we're getting a lot of exposition across, but or barbecue scene, we're Mm -hmm. getting a lot of exposition across, but we'll make it fun, we'll give the characters stuff to do. There's that's another thing about like the illusion of like stuff going on in this movie. Like you still have to try to get the illusion. It's not like you just like sit back, relax as a director and the illusion just forms itself. It's like you've still gotta try to get that illusion. So that effort really shines. Yeah. When you're watching a lot of movies like the movies we've been watching. So yeah, that's gonna get a check
0: for me. So that sounds like it's gonna get an easy three checks. So the last question is gonna be, does it need to exist? And we'll have you go last on this one, Louie, to close it out. I will say that it does need to exist. When we're talking about action movies and when we're talking about kind of reoccurring cop tropes or just you know, in just in just in regards to like the same kind of action movies that we always see. This is refreshing. I don't know if it's just because it's two black cops, but I think it's just a different perspective. They kind of put their footprint, not just in cop movies, but in action movies in general. It just so happens that they are cops, but it's not reliant on them being cops. Like you could almost have these two guys be, you know, private investigators and I would still watch that movie. So I do think it needs to exist because I do think it brings something to the action movie world that obviously other movies are gonna imitate and do worse of, but, and and, you know, they're copying stuff too, but I, I do think that it has a place in action movie history um and I'm not upset about it, I'm not offended about it I kind of just wish that another director was the one that started this franchise it could have been you know very different uh but we got Michael Bay
2: this might be the first time I make the distinction where I'm glad it exists but I don't think it needs to exist Oof. it's just more of the same dialed up and just because you're giving character development which I'll argue is decent and all of these things that make a sequel good, there's not that extra. There's not anything necessarily new. It's kind but, of
0: like a cartoon special. Yeah. It's like a Sunday morning cartoon show where we just see the cops do something else again.
2: Yeah, kind of like uh, Lethal Weapon. I don't remember if I said Lethal Weapon Le- needs to exist or not, but... No, we, we, we
0: voted six checks on that that okay. episode. But but there's a lot more depth in that yeah. second movie with Lethal Weapon 2 with those characters. Oh, Whereas there is, in, there is, yeah. There's, like you said, there's the illusion of depth between the partners in this first one. But imagine if the second one... Had like a toilet scene from Lethal, like from Lethal Weapon Two where they share like a beat together. This they they have that when they're crying and they're hugging and stuff. But it's very it's very you know Hollywood. It's it's like you know?
2: it's because there's no transition material that the three tones that you were talking about almost undercut themselves. Where the comedy undercuts the drama, which undercuts the action, which undercuts the comedy. They try to stack those things, but you just get a Jenga tower that could have collapsed but was held together by uh, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence.
0: Yeah. And if it did collapse, you get eight different angles of it collapsing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and watch it explode.
1: Um, for me, I I mean, it gets a check for me for sure. I mean, even without without even getting in deep into it, it's just I just really love this movie and I think it's like Matt was saying, I think it's a different kind of like buddy cop movie just because of and it and it may be because that it's two black guys who grew up in similar situations where it's just a different kind of relationship than Let's say like Lethal Weapon. I mean, it it does make a difference that they grew up kind of the same way and in the same culture. I think it adds it adds to the the type of comedy that's coming out. And I don't think that like everybody cop movie was always you know a white guy and a black guy. Eddie Murphy, Nick Nolte, you know Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, and so on and so forth. So I think it just brought a different dynamic that made that more possible to happen in the future. I don't know. I think it just opened doors that otherwise wouldn't have been open, especially with the second one, just because it is such a big movie, like a big budget movie with two black leads.
0: So if you're doing that math at home, that's going to be seven checks and two X's, which is, means it's going to get one big giant check for worth going back again. And yeah, it makes sense. This is definitely more top tier kind of action movie sequels, even though there are still a lot of problems with it from directing and from a writing standpoint. Um, mostly but directing. Mostly directing, but you know, it's it's the performances that really kind of kind of carried up. I, it's still not the best action movie sequel on the list that we've done, or I think that we're going to continue to do. But it's definitely top shelf. All right, so that's going to be a wrap on Bad Boys 2. Uh, Special thanks to Louie for joining us today, our our bad boy. Uh, Thanks so much for being here today and, and talking bad boys with us.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun.
0: As always, guys, thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, make sure you follow us on all the streaming platforms and listen to our other episodes. You can also watch full episodes of this on YouTube with video. Uh, What do you think of Bad Boys 2? Make sure you like, subscribe, and that you comment below. A special shout-out to Neely for doing our intro and our outro song. And once again, special thanks to Louie for coming by and being a bad boy. Uh, But outside of that, we're just going to keep trucking along on this action movie list. And you got anything else to add, Drew? We'll be back. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week and then the, the last thing i just want to bring up is that p diddy is an executive producer on this movie and i don't know if you noticed this but they play shake your tail feather like 4 to 5 times. That's the freaking That's movie. the
1: first song that they play when uh when like they're panning into him in the pool the first time.
0: But not only do they use that song so many times, they put it in so many different places in the movie that aren't mm-hmm. even like con- like totally consistent. I just imagine P diddy being like DJ Khaled like in the editing baby's like another one. Put it in again. Put the song in again. <laughs>
1: Remember one thing, my friend. I may not always be here.
2: What's up, Ice Pick? Let
0: a righteous bust.
2: I came all the way to Cuba for this. Come on.